My name is Shorsha Dunbar and I'm your host. Hello and welcome to the Adventure Games podcast. My name is Shorsha Dunbar. I hope you're doing well. If this is your first time listening to this podcast, we cover adventure and narrative games uh, so uh, we do interviews every month and we do reviews of the latest adventure games and narrative games that we've been playing. And in this episode, I was delighted to be joined by Tom and Adam Vian of SFB Games. They made Detective Grimoire and Tangled Tower and they recently announced their upcoming new game, The Mermaid's Tongue. And uh, we also spoke about uh, their other game, Crow Country, which is a survival horror, but as I learned during the interview, uh, you can also play that game on exploration mode. So you can play that as an adventure game if you want to remove the survival horror part of it, uh, which I probably will do. Uh, So, um, yeah, so they spoke about the origins of Detective Grimoire and what we can expect uh, in the two games. And I think a lot of people will be will be looking forward to those games. So uh, here is, uh, first of all, a trailer for Mermaid's Tongue, followed by my interview with uh, the developers uh, from SFB Games. So please enjoy. This place gives me the creeps. That cauldron especially. I don't know. You have to wonder why it was kept locked in the first place. I'm guessing there was something pretty bad in there. Something in the water. Wow. Thank you so much for joining us for another episode of the Adventure Games Podcast. I am delighted to be joined by the two guys from SFB Games, Tom and Adam Vian, which you just told me is pronunciation of your name, (laughs) uh, who have made uh, Detective Grimoire series, Tangle Tower, and in the upcoming The Mermaid's Tongue and Crow Country, which we'll be talking about. So uh, hello, Tom and Adam. How are you guys doing? Hello. Very great, good, thank, thank you. you. Thanks very much for having us. Um, this is, yeah, this is great. So this is Adam. I guess our voices sound quite similar. Yeah, we're going to try uh, to see, see how we can distinguish between uh, the, the two of you. So uh, um, I could call you, uh, well, Adam, uh, this is Adam. Well, first of you even were in sync. So it's, uh, you two, we, we see that you were brothers. <laughs> two right. of you enter at the same time, which is great. No, so, sorry about that. No, no, don't apologize. It's uh so uh, it's, it's quite funny. So Adam, um, let, let, tell us who, who you are, what your role in the, the studio is, and what your favorite uh, adventure games are, if you have any. Uh, yeah, so I'm Adam Vian. I usually get credited these days as the creative director at SFB Games, which means I do a large amount of things around uh, art and design and writing and just generally telling everybody else what to do. Um, it's a, it's a big umbrella term, but yeah, so that's me. Um, and my favorite adventure games, 
Well, it would be probably the same as Tom. I apologize, Tom. But <laughs> number one would be Indiana Jones and the Fate of Atlantis, which is why I like adventure games at all. Um, playing that on my dad's PC as a kid, that's magnificent. Best thing ever. Um, other highlights would be, let's say, Monkey Island 3. Sorry, but that's my favorite Monkey Island game. And yep. And I'll throw in a recent one. Uh, the Excavation of Hobbs Barrow, I played, yes. and I just love it to pieces. I'll throw that one in as a very third. popular one. Yeah, love that one. Yeah, we love that game as well. The Excavation of Hobbs Barrow, absolutely fantastic. Yeah, it's uh, really game good. As well. I mean, great, great choices all around. I mean, certainly the, yeah, I mean, I love the third Monkey Island as well as my first Monkey Island. Um, mm -hmm. I mean, I think the first three are all great anyway. Yeah, they're all great. Two is really good. Ob obviously, two is probably like the perfect Monkey Island game, but just love three. Love the voice acting. I like the puzzles. It's just great. Yeah, no, it's fantastic. And I love the first one. Even though the second one is probably, you know, better overall. I don't know. Something about yeah. the first one. The first time you go, uh, you arrive in Melee Island, and I just never mm -hmm. get tired of that. It's just wandering around the town. It's just... I, I don't know, but yeah, the first three, I think. Um yeah. and the excavation of Hobbs Barrow. And yeah, no, they're fantastic choices. Uh so thank you, Adam. And now we go to your brother Tom. So Tom, if you would like to introduce yourself, uh say again what your role in the studio is and uh some some of your favorite adventure games, it can be the same or any narrative games, uh or anything you wish, basically. <laughs> Sure. Uh, hi, I'm Tom, Adam's uh, ever so slightly older brother, um, and I am principally the programmer at SFB Games, but also uh, business, uh, biz dev, all the sort of running a running a game studio-y bits that don't fall under the creative side of things. Uh, I, I do a lot of that. Um, and gosh, yes. I mean, I would have said Fate of Atlantis was my favorite. It probably still is. I'm going to say The Dig. Uh, mm, really very old, well old up dig. there for me. Um, slightly more serious in tone, but my gosh, what a game. And um, uh, Day of the Tentacle, to go mm. the opposite direction uh, of a LucasArts game. Just complete wacky loveliness. Um, and the best... Uh, time travel mechanic in a game mm. still to yeah. this day. I think you're right. Shall we say? Yeah, no, again, fantastic choices. I think the dig is interesting because even though it's serious, I was laughing a lot playing it because there's a lot of humor in it, but in the, the dialogue. The voice acting makes it. And yeah, Robert honestly, Patrick, they, absolutely fantastic. We The first time we played it through as kids, our computer wasn't good enough to play the audio because that used to be a thing. Um, and we'd have to install it off the, the floppy disks and it couldn't couldn't run the audio. And then later on, we got a CD copy of it with the voice acting and played it through again. And it, it I mean, that must have cemented it in my mind as, as yeah. my favorite because mm. yeah, that no, was it's something special. Yeah, no, definitely the voice, you know, the voice acting. And, and I think it, for me, it has one of the best intros of all time still. Oh, yeah. Uh, I love the intro. Just so atmospheric, just the music and just um like it gets you right in there you know exactly what's happening right it's a steven game. spielberg mm -hmm. project of some yeah of it some feels, kind isn't it, it? feels spielberg right. yeah I think, i'm pretty I sure believe, he produced it it was supposed yeah. to be a tv series or something uh, i think by spielberg and then bring it they didn't have a budget for it uh so they made it into uh a, a game an adventure game so 
Um, yeah, and then Day of the Tentacle, yeah, again. <laughs> um, can't really go wrong. So, yeah, beginning to see some of your inspirations now for <laughs> for some of your games. So, um, now, reading on your website, your your studio SFB game, first of all, there is, I believe, is there another person in your studio, a girl called Catherine? So she uh, is our, our most, well, we... <laughs> We basically hire her all the time, so she's almost always working with us. That's right. Well, that's good. <laughs> um, Catherine Unger, yes. So we hire her as an artist um, on most of our projects. She's a friend of mine from art school, and she's just the most powerfully talented person we know, so we bring her on board all the time, and she's great. Well, we can definitely see that from the little that I've played of Tangle Tower. If I play about an hour into it, and yeah, the animations are just absolutely extraordinary, which we'll get into now in just a bit. So the animations, real quick, are done by Jonathan Harris, who's our oh. another friend from art school. So we hire him for animation, and he's very powerful as well. Yeah. yeah. So um, just so Catherine does like the background art, and Jonathan does the character animation. So we have a very small but very elite team basically on those mm -hmm. games everyone involved is a bit of a genius i would say yes yeah, certainly from the first hour it's absolutely fantastic looks absolutely fantastic um which we will get into but first of all i was wondering if you could uh, if you could uh tell us how how your studio was founded how did you start the studio because you two are brothers which is great to see mm -hmm. the two of you get on so well and you're synchronized already which is great to see how did the studio start so which came first with the studio or the game your first game? Uh, so it was, so with tom so this is tom games in general um we were teenagers in our bedroom and uh i borrowed uh, a laptop pretty bad laptop from school for the summer and we installed a demo version of Adobe. No, it would have been Macromedia Flash and realized Flash you could do animations in it and realized you could do programming in it and realized you could make games in it. And we just kind of didn't look back. So we started out as kids on the internet making free Flash games um, under the on banner Newgrounds. of the Super Flash Bros. Yeah, Newgrounds.com, the, the heyday of Newgrounds. <laughs> um, and yeah, we, we, we were putting out, you know, a couple of games and animations a year, um, sometimes a lot more. Uh, and well, we were making tiny games. We could sometimes, sure. when, we got, when we got the hang of it, we could make a game in a week and just throw it out there. Yeah, I think three days was our quickest. Yeah, it to was. Make a, a, still a fairly full featured Flash game. Oh. Um, we just did it over a weekend. Uh, and Adam was doing sort of longer, more advanced animations um, mm -hmm. as he was heading into university to do illustration and animation. And then I went off to university uh, to do physics and we kind of stopped for a little while because I was busy with that. And then uh, Adam carried on with the animation, but we, we paused making games for a while. And then I got back from university and thought, heck do you do with a physics degree um <laughs> i still don't know but whilst living at home again adam adam was around and uh we started making flash games again and... so the way it got turned into a job if i remember correctly is we mm. made a game called blue rabbit climate chaos which is actually an adventure game yep maybe oh. the first adventure game we ever made you could try mm -hmm. looking it up there will be screenshots of it Blue Rabbit's Climate Chaos. Blue Rabbit was our kind of mascot character. And it was a little adventure game where you walk around these islands and solve weather-related problems. 
and we made that and then we wanted music for it and we for the first time we were like oh let's instead of using kevin mcleod let's use a composer and then we realized oh we'd have to pay a composer right seems obvious first time we'd ever done it we were teenagers and so we realized well we need money <laughs> so this has to become a, a thing and then we ended up getting a sponsorship from armor games and basically that meant making games and putting links to Armour Games in the games. Very easily done, get a bit of money each time, pay the composer, and it basically just grew and grew from there. So, um, we, you know, the games got bigger, we eventually moved on to make to do our own stuff, and then the App Store happened, and then Steam happened, but it was a very long-term organic growth from doing it as a free hobby. And our first and game, made 100 we games made... Each. Yeah, we, we made our first game in 2002, I think. Wow. <laughs> our very first one. So it's been, you know, sort of we're on our 22nd year of making games at all now. Um, How time passes. How time flies. Indeed. Uh, SFB Games got formed after Adam was done with university properly. Uh, we sort of ramped up into making, as Adam said, sort of App Store games looking to make Steam games. Um, and we had to form a proper company to do that. So we, we picked the name and um, became a company, but it, it was more of a, on, an on-paper thing. Like it was just a continuation of the, what The we reason we doing. had to form a company and make a logo, we had to do it overnight because we had a game that was with PlayStation Mobile, which is a slightly cursed platform that didn't last very long. Um, and they wanted to show a big image during E3 of all their global partners, which meant they had to show our logo on a big screen with a hundred other logos. And so we had to overnight, we had to be like, oh, we can't be the Super Flash Brothers because it's a reference to Flash and Super Smash Brothers, which is two things that we don't own. So we just made it SFB Games and made a really obvious simple logo because we had to. Right. <laughs> so we've never really had a, a proper like company brand. We just kind of like stuck with that and never really changed it. <laughs> oh well. Oh well. No, well, it's, it seems to have worked for you guys because you've been working for 20 years and your game was revealed at the Day of the Dev, the Game Awards, which uh, I know I've given my thoughts about on the podcast. <laughs> but but it was a big deal to be revealed because you have, you know, Double Fine and Tim Schafer revealing the game. Absolutely. You know, was instrumental in making our, some of our favorite. Yeah, games. you just talked about Day of the Tentacle, and here we've looked back around to Tim Schafer. How amazing! Yeah, so it's um, a... yeah, big thanks to Tim Schafer and Greg Rice for Day of the Devs. I remember picking two of our games to be in that. Um, I know that's right. We can just so two. So you guys have two games that was on the. They they set so... us up. We went to there was a physical event in LA as well, which we flew out to very last minute um and they set up an amazing sort of huge tvs next to each other with the games playing on you know very powerful laptops to be able to pump that many pixels out and yeah we got to spend a day watching people play these games and talking to them and chatting to press and it was it's incredible yeah well huge congratulations on that so you're clearly doing something right the last 20 years you can attract hmm. the attention of these people. Now, your games have had fantastic reviews. I mean, Tangle Tower ha is overwhelmingly positive, which is, I, I imagine, difficult to do. <laughs> well, yeah, that, that, but... um, we, we've, we've 
just about managed to squeak in to 95 and a bit percent. The, the threshold for overwhelmingly positive is 95%. I'm too scared to read the Tangle Tower Steam review, so I don't look <laughs> at them. But I'm very glad it's, it's going to well. know that it's they're going positive. Well. Yeah, yeah, that's that's um, fantastic. I mean, I'm even just I actually found the your your game you just mentioned, Blue Rabbit's Climate Chaos, which you can play. Oh uh, you mentioned Armor Games, you can play that on armorgames.com. Okay. And go. and, and it, the rev, reviews there or the reviews uh or comments, I know I should say you shouldn't read the comments, but they're <laughs> they're good. Best game of our time, ten out of a ten. Uh wow. my childhood, you guys are the best. So, um, so yeah, that game so... features Igoraptor of Game Grumps as the sole voice actor. Fun fact. Oh, Aaron. Yeah. Okay, well, I'll have to check this game out now. I'm very intrigued. Um, so shall we talk about first of all, um, Crow Country? Because this isn't technically sure. an adventure game as we know it's survival horror, third person shooter. People are probably gonna be asking, Short, why are you talking about this game on the Adventure Games podcast? Now, we are talking. I'm sure point-and-click fans are probably like, well, you already talk about other kinds of games that we don't consider adventure games, so why not hmm. go into Crow Country? No, but the actual reason is, apart from just looking very good, it does have adventure game elements uh, from what uh, you guys were saying as well. So even though it's not certainly not point-and-click and it doesn't, you know, it has shooting elements, I think there, there might be some things in this game that people who like adventure games might be interested in. So we can start with this. So... Uh, who wants to start to talk about this game, to introduce the game, who we play as, what the setting is, uh, sure. what the game's about? So, um, well, Adam, you seem... Yeah, sure. So Crow Country is my kind of pet project. That's It was just a fun hobby project, and then it became a real full-size game. But basically, survival horror is my favorite genre, I would say. And I particularly love PlayStation 1 era stuff, just because I'm that age. So I'm a big PlayStation 1 collector. Uh, I have a gigantic collection of PlayStation 1 games. If there's a weird, obscure, colorful, strange PlayStation 1 game, I've got it and I've probably completed it. Um, but my favorite game to play is survival horror. You know, I like Resident Evil, Silent Hill, Parasite Eve, Dino Crisis, um, all that stuff. And I just wanted to make my own because I love the genre. And to be cynical for one second, I, I'm not massively impressed with your average modern indie horror game. I find them to be a little bit dull. Um, you get a lot of what I call flickering hallway simulators where nothing really happens. You just walk down a hallway and there's nothing, there's a light flickering and it's all first person and there's no mechanics. Anyway, so I, <laughs> I sat down, this was more or less during lockdown and just started making my own survival horror game. And yeah, uh, it just grew and grew until it was sort of accidentally a full size game. So it's a PlayStation 1 style, third person survival horror game. Um, it's set in 1990 specifically, and it's set in uh, Atlanta, Georgia, in an abandoned theme park, kind of a cheap theme park. So don't think Disneyland, think of like a knockoff, <laughs> you know, local theme park that's never had a good budget. And it's been closed for two years and it's falling apart. And you play as a young, a young woman called Mara Forrest, who basically goes into the theme park to find the missing owner, uh, Edward Crow. It's called Crow Country. The owner is Edward Crow. Um, and he's kind of an elusive, mysterious man who has various rumors swirling around him. And the motivations for finding him are slightly mysterious as well. And there might be a twist or two. But it's kind of like, you know, a mystery thriller 
that gameplay wise, yes, you pick up ammo, yes, you shoot enemies, but largely the game is exploring, picking up inventory items and solving puzzles, inventory puzzles, you could say. So if you put the put the shooting aside, what you've got is the bones of an adventure game, pretty much. And there's even a mode called exploration mode, which just I, completely removes the combat. I just saw that. So sorry. Yes. <laughs> so uh, there was a tweet I saw years ago, someone saying, um, I love Silent Hill, but I don't I can't do the combat. Can someone mod the game to remove the monsters? I just want to be in Silent Hill. And I thought that's such a nice notion. I'm going to make a horror game where that's possible. So if you just want to play this as an adventure game and not worry about getting killed and just walk around and solve puzzles, you can do that. And it's actually a pretty good game, uh, even if you do that. So um, that's something for non-horror fans out there. That's fantastic because now, I mean, I was interested already. I mean, I, uh, I mean, I'm not good with uh, survival. I like the genre, but I, you know, I've played. I think uh well a little bit of the first silent hill game which scared the crap sure. out of me mm-hmm. but i loved but like that person said i would love to play these games without the fear of dying um yeah. i think you can still do it effectively the horror but and so it's great to hear that there is you know the game the game that you're making is survival horror with you know shooting and survival there but for adventure game fans in particular people who don't want um stress of dying or being yeah. killed you have an exploration mode so that so it is an adventure game then for people who want yeah. to play it as oh Definitely. fantastic and the, wow no that's that's great and so the puzzles then you know, because uh you say you had uh, inventory puzzles what what can you tell us about these puzzles are they on the challenging side or medium or how did you incorporate them into the game uh that you're making uh, uh, so if you look at like the original Resident Evil, what you've basically got is a kind of Metroidvania style unfolding map where most of the doors are locked and then you slowly unlock them as you gain new keys and new items and new crests and, and whatever it is. Um, so it's a game about kind basically it's like an inventory sequence in, you know, you get a, you solve a puzzle, you get a bronze key that opens up two new rooms. One of those rooms might have a puzzle that gives you a crank handle and then that crank handle opens up two new rooms maybe one of those puzzle rooms has a puzzle that gives you a gemstone and the puzzles are very varied each one is kind of its own beast and i would say they're quite cerebral um but generally it's not designed to be like an intense puzzle game experience mm. it's designed to be kind of just enjoyable so it's probably somewhere in the middle difficulty wise um, and there are hint systems uh, organically in- included in the game if you get stuck okay well. so again if you like puzzles there will be puzzles in this game definitely there are. Yeah. so okay i mean i wasn't expecting um adventure gamers as such to to really enjoy it because it's a survival horror game but now it's come full circle it's like wow okay so a survival horror game and a puzzle adventure game uh, for people who want it to be so um yep yeah so crow country and the graphics there you mentioned ps1 they do look like ps1 in a good way it's uh, mm-hmm. that uh, was was this intentional? I'm guessing. Yeah. So basically, I uh, just fiddled with shaders on the camera until I got an effect that felt like PlayStation One. But what I've got, what we've sort of ended up with, something a bit unique. So a lot of PlayStation One style indie games go for a low poly look, but what we've ended up with is something that actually looks like 
pre-rendered backgrounds of say Final Fantasy VII or Resident Evil, where it would have been in the old days, it would have been a still image that you walk around. But in Crow Country, they kind of look like that in that they're quite uh, ornate and textured and decorative. But in Crow Country, they're not a flat image, they are fully 3D. So it's this kind of duality of, oh, it feels like a pre-rendered background, but I can actually move the camera as well, which is kind of an exciting thing that I feel like is more or less our USP with Crow Country. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's true because they don't have the, uh, as you said, the pixelated as such. Um, it's it, it does look, looks PS1, but kind of like hi higher definition what PS1 yeah. graphics might look like. And um, oh well, look, I'm de I I had wishlisted it to begin with because I was very interested, but now I'm definitely looking for it. I probably will be using exploration mode. I'll be honest, but okay. it's great to see that you can still, you know. And, and I love. I've always been saying as well that games, whenever possible, in my opinion, should try to have different kind of accessibility options because sure. there are other you know gamers as well. You know, maybe have they have disabilities and they can't play action games or don't like action games, but they're still interested in the games. So for me, I think having more accessibility options, the better. So thank you for that. Thank you for including that option. Um, okay. Are you are you involved in this game, Tom, as well? Or, or is this, a, is this <laughs> I an am Adam now. adventure? <laughs> sure. So Adam brought it to me nearly fully formed and said, I accidentally made a game. Should we, <laughs> what should we do? And, uh, uh, you know, I saw I saw Adam's screenshots of it on Twitter before I, he ever showed it to me in person, and it always looked fantastic. And then it grew into this thing that was, you know, worth looking at being a full SFP release. I think Adam was originally thinking he might put it up on his own itch.io page at most, sure. but it it definitely feels like something that's worth going after properly and and putting out on consoles and uh you know on steam and doing all that kind of work and that is traditionally stuff that i handle uh you know sort of doing storefront stuff doing making a game work on playstation making it work on steam with achievements and 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 trophies and and that sort of technical work um so i've come on in the last couple of months and started doing that which is how we managed to get a demo out on playstation Yes. Uh, yeah, just just before that. Halloween uh, last year, uh, PS5, um, which is fantastic. It's our first PS5 game. Tangle Tower came out on PS4 and therefore is playable on PS5, but this will be our first PS5, PS5 game. And mm -hmm. um, PlayStation have been lovely and, and featured the demo for a while on their storefront, which was fantastic. Um, yeah, so I am now on board and... Um, <laughs> Adam sort of handing it over to me to, to do the releasey stuff. Um, some localization. You've also done all kinds week. of optimization work. Right. So much tech work has happened to make it like feasible where it really right, wasn't right. before. There, you know, there, there was that moment where Adam handed over the project and, and it was running, uh, <laughs> it was running Not okay. And, and I, you know, I opened up the sea and just sort of, you know, tutted and shook my head and did, did a couple of days work and, and, um, we got it working, I think, quite nicely already. But there's there's still yeah. some, more, some more of that work to be done. Um, but yeah, I mean, honestly, genuinely very impressed as Adam's first full size game 
by himself largely. Uh, he did all the programming or the art. So if anyone's curious about this, we make the game in Unity and I effectively programmed the game myself up to a point with a plugin called Playmaker, which is a visual scripting tool. So I, I programmed the game without writing any raw code. Instead, it's visual scripting. So it's a kind of drag and drop boxes and nodes kind of situation. There's a bunch of things like this available. Playmaker is the one I use. And it's generally, you know, we use it for prototyping and all kinds of things because it's quick and easy. Um, but I got good enough with it that I was able to make an entire game. And I'm not a programmer. I'm not a coder. I'm an artist and designer. So if anyone out there is looking to kind of make games in Unity and they, they're not super hot on writing code, then I would suggest learning a visual scripting tool because it's very liberating for someone like me who's not really so tech and code um, smart. Oh, that, that's great for me to hear because I'm not good at code either. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, no, that that's fantastic. And I see on your Steam page, it has already uh, appeared in several magazines. Right. Country. So there is clearly interest. And I think, yes, that uh, I, I have a feeling that people will be interested in this. And um, so uh, any release, more or less, do you, do you know, do you have any moral? And I know that this, this is a question you guys probably hate just, being asked. Just this year is, is all we know so That's... far. Um, <laughs> Halloween. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hopefully, hopefully not that long to wait, um, but we're not, we're we haven't decided yet. So oh, whenever it's, it's we, ready. It's not that we can't announce, we just haven't actually decided either, so. Sure, and do you think that uh, you guys will be doing a, a dance number at the Game Awards like Sam Lake? Is there, is there yeah, a I mean, music I would say, I would say it's, a, it's a given at this point, yeah. <laughs> um, no, that's fantastic. So that's Pro Country, which will be released uh, sometime 2024 or whenever it's ready on PS5 and PC. Uh, and it looks fantastic. And again, it's survival horror, but there is an exploration mode for those like me who want to play it as an adventure game. So um, so thank you for that. Now, we could spend a lot longer talking about this game, but uh, you've also made some other games. Um, you've made, well, Detective Grimoire, Tangle Tower, and now another game that was announced at the Day of the Devs uh, showcase was The Mermaid's Tongue. I believe, is this the third game? In the Detective Grimoire series, depends. It depends where you draw the line. So, oh, okay. There's technically, there's four Detective Grimoire games, but we really don't talk about the first one. Oh, okay. Um, we're not we're not allowed to talk about the first. The one. very first one is just called Detective Grimoire, and it's a flash game that we made a long time ago. Two thousand and eight. Oh, two thousand eight. Isn't that on okay. Steam as well? No, it's just on Newgrounds, right? Right, but so oh, there is a Steam game called Detective Grimoire, and that is. That's, the, that's the, the official. That exactly. That's the first Secret one the in the swamp. series that we're happy for people to play. Okay. Um, <laughs> the first one was, you know, it was our a, a, a couple of teenagers love letter to Ace Attorney. Uh, Ace Attorney Phoenix. Wright. I made it when I was eighteen. Yeah. Right. So we weren't so, like the most amazing writers or designers or anything, but so that's the very first one, and then we made Detective Grimoire, which is sometimes subtitled with Secret of the Swamp, which is helpful because then you're like, oh, it's the one in the swamp, got it. And that was a kind of complete reboot with a new art style. And that's the first time we brought Catherine Unger on board and Raphael Meyer, who did the music and everything. So that was a pretty big project for us back in the day. And then that got a sequel uh, called Tangle Tower, which was another complete kind of restart in terms of art style and quality and uh, <laughs> thing like that. 
Um, and that was released on every every platform under the sun by this point. Yeah, um, no. And then, yeah. Sorry, go ahead. Sorry. No, oh, no, uh, go. Uh, uh, yeah, so that that was Tangle Tower. And then the, the one that we've just announced recently at the Day of the Devs is The Mermaid's Tongue, which is definitely the follow-up to Tangle Tower. But we always say we don't want to market it as a direct sequel just in case there are people out there who haven't played the previous ones and we don't want to stress them out. Mm. Each one is definitely, you can definitely just take it as its own thing if you didn't want to go back and play the old ones. They're all standalone. Yeah, they definitely right. connect, but they can mm. also be treated as standalone. So it's kind of right. both, best of both worlds. That's the idea. If you play, if you play the, the newest game, uh, you won't even notice that there was a previous game. It, there aren't like loose threads or moments where you're like, are they referencing something I don't know about? Not but too much. For people who have played the previous game, you will see the, the you'll see the references, you'll notice them, you'll see the through yeah. lines, and uh, hopefully, fans of Tangle Tower will get a kick out of what we're doing. Yeah, well, it's I mean, as I said, I am enjoying Tangle Tower very much. Um, but right. and and I'm just seeing here, Detective Grimoire, Secret of the Swamp. It it does have a slight. I mean, you can tell it's I think made from you guys. It, it's a similar mm -hmm. visual, but then you have made changes uh, to yeah. the other games. So I suppose just to before we get into the specifics of the Mermaid's Tongue, um, how did the idea for the Detective Grimoire come about? I know you said it was a love letter first to Ace Attorney, and definitely there are similarities. But yes. how did the idea for this character come about uh, and to give him his own game? So I don't know who who came up with the idea. Uh, so was it was it Adam? Was it you who? Uh, yeah, or... so we we basically, we loved Ace Attorney and we loved Professor Layton. So this was the DS era where the adventure game genre had a kind of revival on the DS, you know? Um, and I don't know whether it was Armor Games that suggested make a, a game that was like that, but we just loved Ace Attorney and we wanted to do that. And so the obvious protagonist was a detective. Uh, even though in Ace Attorney you don't play as a detective, you play as a defense lawyer. There's a detective in that game called Gumshoe who wears you know the brown trench coat and is your typical American-looking detective. And so Detective Grimoire was kind of just that kind of thing. Um, where it's like, we want a, a slightly goofy police detective guy that could solve weird mysteries. Um, and he was named by my friend Sam Vanderpeer, who suggested the name Grimoire. And I can tell you where it comes from. No one's going to care about this, but there's a PS2 I... game called Final Fantasy VII Dirge of Cerberus, which is a spin-off about Vincent Valentine. Bear with me. And his father in that game is called Grimoire Valentine. Okay. And we just played that. And I was looking for a name for my character. And Sam said, what about Grimoire? And then we realized the next day that we'd stolen it from Dirge of Cerberus. So there you go. That's where the name comes from. Oh, fantastic. Even I didn't know that. So wow. Is, is this an exclusive? Is this uh... <laughs> I mean, I guess so. I just don't like talking about Dirge of Cerberus every day. So I don't mention it all the time. That's fair. <laughs> Oh, you can talk about it here as much as you want because I haven't heard, <laughs> heard it. I mean, I've heard of, of the game. I played Final Fantasy VII as a kid. I don't think sure. I played that. But um, but yeah, we got the origins of Detective Grimoire. That's right. Um, well, it's. I mean, I'm loving him as a, as a character and his interactions with, with Sally. Now, uh, from the beginning of the Tangle Tower, it's obvious that they know each other. 
So what can you tell us about Sally? How did they, how did you introduce her? So um, I don't know whoever wants to, to talk about well, it. Can sure. So Sally was a suspect in Secret of the Swamp um, and uh, played by the same voice actor, Amber Lee Connors. Um, and just, I think we really enjoyed her as a character and uh, Amber as, a, as an actor. Uh, her and Edwin, just, I don't know. Th those two have never met, to my knowledge. Um, wow. And yet, <laughs> those two together in conversation came out something special. Yeah, it just works. Yeah. And so uh, the first game, Secret of the Swamp, it was Grimoire going around largely by himself. And so when you'd inspect something, when you tap on something to look at it, he would just sort of have to talk to himself about it. And that limits the kind of jokes you can tell, limits the kind of fun you can have. So when going into Tangle Tower, um, Adam wanted to find a, a, a buddy character because it's so much more fun if you can just have two goofs goofing off at anything you want. I mean, they can have serious conversations, but they can just, you know, go off on a complete random tangent if they want, because they're having a conversation rather than this one guy thinking yeah. randomly to himself. So it just, we wanted that. And Amber had already proven to be incredible in that, in that role. And um, we, never, we never say what happened between those two games. Why they're, why they're hanging out. Um, I guess they just remained friends. Um, yeah. There's no explanation of how she went from suspect to, uh, you know, I don't want to say she's the sidekick. They're both on equal footing. Mm. But yeah, just yeah. happened off screen. Grimoire is a, a, a private detective. So it's not as if she'd have to He's go now. and get a qualification or anything. She can just hang around, you know, be the Watson to Grimoire's homes. Well, so I like to imagine them as they, they every few minutes, they swap which one is Sherlock and which one is Watson. So there's not, there's not, with Grimmer and Sally, there's no smart one and dumb one. Mm -hmm. um, they both can, they're both capable of both. And right. it's fun when they kind of take turns. Like sometimes Sally's being annoying and stupid and sometimes Grimmer is being annoying and stupid. And it's that kind of joke of like, they've got one brain cell between them and it just passes between them, you know. <laughs> and sometimes um, you get double Watson. And that's fun. Yeah, too. sure. Um, but generally, the the joy of Tangle Tower, and I just discovered this as we were making it, was Grimoire and Sally examining things in the environment, and not even things that are relevant to the story, but just whatever was there, mm. and having and just chatting to each other, making jokes, teasing each other, um, and just having kind of a nice, pleasant time exploring this new place. It basically became, for want of a better term, like a friendship simulator in the sense that just gives you a nice feeling of, of what it might be like to hang out with a friend and joke around in a cool place. Um, and that's honestly the the heart of Tangle Tower is just Grimmer and Sally just talking to each other for fun. And so we've absolutely kept that moving forward because it's a really important component. Well, that, that's good here to still be in, from the trailer at least, it seems like that's still going to be there. But Definitely. But yeah, I love the interactions with them. And I also love the characterization that uh, Sally seems to be and again, correct me if I'm wrong, but she seems to be a little bit more kind of cynical, kind of to Detective Grimoire. Sometimes, sometimes. Yes. Uh, but then she'll go on flights of fancy where she's 
revealed to be a complete weirdo. So it's like you never <laughs> quite know what you're dealing with with Sally. She's capable of all kinds of things. Interesting. Yeah, because I only met her at the beginning that, uh, you know, she's like, OK, let's go and that. And um, and then but but yeah, I love the you mentioned so who, who are the the actors um you mentioned their their names as well how did you find these actors for the role so, because for, again from what i've played of tangle tower they are perfect yes um so yes amber lee connors plays sally and so when we were casting secret of the swamp i cast that game by myself which means i went out into the internet looking for people so i basically had the character of sally who at the beginning was very straightforward kind of like the board teenage girl character basically and i i remember i used the i used the descriptor of i'm basically looking for someone that can do a daria you know daria the cartoon from mtv uh where uh -huh. she's really dry it's actually a spin-off from beavis and butthead oh um, okay <laughs> and she's like a super dry cynical teenage girl trying to generation x type situation and that was where we started and i asked on the on a voice acting forum can anyone do a daria and Amber sent me the, the audition and I was like, well, this is perfect. She's amazing. Turns out Amber is the most incredible voice actor and can do anything. And she's so good. So we've really lucked out with that. Um, and so, yeah, she, she was a suspect in Secret of the Swamp and we just kept her on and now she's a main character. And then Detective Grimoire in the very first game uh, he was in didn't have a voice actor. He just went <clears throat> and made little noises. And then when we made Secret of the Swamp, obviously, we needed to cast Detective Grimoire. And there is a series of Flash games on Newgrounds or Armor Games or wherever you might go for Flash games. And they're called, if anyone's interested in Grimoire history, you can look them up. They're called The Legend of Pliskin. Um, and I think it's P-L-I-S-S-K-E-N, something like that. And they're kind of uh, simply made adventure games in a traditional sense that you walk around a castle and pull levers and find hidden tapestries and stuff. But the main character in these games uh, was played by Edwin Tiong. And, and the games themselves aren't masterpieces, but I remember playing them years and years ago and just thinking, this guy has the most perfect adventure game protag voice in that he's kind of silly, irreverent, but sincere. Um, I forget his name, but it's it's. I feel like he's as good as the Guybrush voice actor, where it's just perfectly in that, in that position of, I want to play an adventure game where this guy is my guy. So I remember thinking, if we ever do a Detective Grimoire game with a voice, it's going to be Edwin, Edwin Tiong. And yeah, it turned out he's amazing. So um, that's where we got those two from. And we've oh. not dropped them because they're super good. Yeah, no, you kept them all. No, th thanks for yeah. that. No, they're, they are absolutely you know, fantastic together. Um, and, and yeah, there's, there's just so much dialogue between them. Uh, and then it's great to see the Tangle Tower is fully voiced as well. And I'm sure, I think you mentioned the mermaid's tongue, uh, will be as well. How much difference do you, do you guys think it makes for the games for it to be fully voiced for, for example, versus it just being written? Um, do you think it has really added to the game and how do you think it has added to your games my my perspective on this is multifaceted i actually think i would rather the average game not be voiced because and this is going to sound cynical but most of the time it's not done well enough to be worth doing and if you don't do an a, if you don't do it well it ruins it 
So there are, if you have slow, annoying, bad voice acting, I, I'm finding myself wanting to turn it off and just read the text because the text can't be badly acted. Text will always be funny or appropriate because I'm just going to read it in my head. So you've really got to do a, a proper job, basically. That's my perspective on this. Um, but if you do do a proper job and you get the right actors and you get the right script and you get the right direction and you edit it together properly, then it, it really does lift it into just feeling like an interactive cartoon. Um, that's my angle. Yeah, there's an element Tom. here where some games will voice act or have voice acting for important conversations or cutscenes only, and then the rest of the game is either just noises, uh, maybe a, sometimes a, 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 a voice line that doesn't quite match the actual text being said, but matches the tone, mm -hmm. or sometimes just sort of typing um, and a, a mix and match. But I always find that it, it's a little distracting when you're not quite sure whether or not you're going to hear voices or not. That takes you out of the game a little bit. But yeah, also, um, one of the things we, we try to concentrate on is making sure that nothing is important. And so everything is important. When you're clicking around the scenery, uh, you can click on anything and nothing is highlighted. Nothing has a little arrow pointing at it going, hey, this is the important thing in this room. So anything in the room might be important or might be interesting. So then you want to look at it all and you certainly don't want to skip anything. And you don't just sort of run through a room clicking on the three obviously important things then leaving. And the same is true of voice acting. If a voice is coming on only on the bits that the devs have decided are important, it's telling the player, hey, these other written lines that don't get voice acted, they're less important. You can just skip them. You can just click, click, yeah. click, 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 click through them. And so having everything, everything be voiced is our way of saying, look, we, we think this is all enjoyable. Mm. And so, you know, don't, please don't skip. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, I would agree about that. Now I do, to say from my point of view as well, I definitely agree that uh, voice acting, I think needs to be good because it can, even if the game is well written, it can bring something down if, the acting isn't good. Um, and I play a lot of, you know, games, narrative adventure games and bird podcast as well. And I, I do think overall, generally, the, the acting has improved overall than even, say, 10, 15 years ago, because in early 2000s, a lot of the, the acting, it really wasn't good when, yeah, back sure. then. And I think now during COVID, um, and COVID was and is horrible, but I think one of the things it has done uh, actors have or voice actors have had to kind of build their own studios so from what i've seen a lot of them have had their own um you know their own mics and they're they're recording well sure. and all uh how do you record with your with those two actors again the final question on the acting we'll talk about the other part of the game as well you said that they never met you don't need to have met in person do they record yeah, they... together or do they record separate times Nope, they do not record together, and they live in different continents. So yeah, they, I oh, don't wow. think they've ever met. <laughs> um, so yeah, they. I'm pretty sure they both have the capabilities to record at home in some sort of booth, um, which is common for a lot of, like you say, most voice actors these days have some sort of system set up like that. And yeah, so uh, I think 
the secret to getting them to sound like they're they've got good chemistry, it's like uh, threefold. It's the acting is good, so they they're good actors, and then the script is written in a way that is going to create you know good moments in the conversations and all that kind of stuff. Where I give direction to make sure that the actors know what is required of the scene. So I don't get the wrong intonation or I don't get the wrong emphasis, which is, happens far too often in, in the games I see, even in AAA stuff. I hear, mm. I hear voice lines where I can clearly see the actor was given the wrong emphasis and nobody cleaned it up. And I'm just thinking this game costs millions of dollars and no one is looking after this. So, <laughs> and then the third thing is the editing. So one thing we do in our Detective Grimoire games in recent times, in the actual conversations, we hand edit the back and forth. So say if a character is interrupting another one, we will make sure that actually it gets interrupted and there's some overlap and it sounds natural. We never just let the system put the voice lines in an automated one by one by one, you know, row. We curate every single bit so it sounds right. So yeah, we just take care to do a good job basically because it's the most important part of the game really. And, and yeah, and it does take a long time. It's a it's a big effort. Yeah. Uh, it was last time. It's going to be again this time. I I try and build as many tools as possible to make that quicker. But it is just, it's just, you know, hard work and a lot yeah, of time spent on it. But we think it's worth it in the end. Um, other people may think differently, but we we think. I, th I think oh, one right. of our <laughs> one of our strengths is the is the size of our company, which is to say it's tiny. Uh, which in this case, I'm making a point that. Me as the creative director and writer, I'm also the person cutting and editing the voice acting. So say say the actors give me three takes per line, which is average. Um, I'm picking the best take, but because I'm the writer and I also made the story up, I know, okay, the, the take that's best is the one that implies this because this is a twist later or this there's a thing about this character that needs to be present. So like no one is anything like it's all like the vision is consistent basically because we have such a small team which is to say that we all wear far too many hats i guess but um i think it makes for a better product to be honest yeah i think um you know our opinions on games and well movies and all um are subjective but i think one thing that we can tell definitely with tangle tower from the era that it played is and i am like you know, enjoy so far but whatever people's thoughts on it I think uh, you can tell that you've put a huge amount of effort into, as you mentioned, the small things, that mm -hmm. it is a well-made game. Um, and from what you're saying there as well, I think it's it's obvious. And you can kind of tell when people kind of cut corners in games. As you mentioned, uh, the intonation in AAA games with, uh, with the actors that, yeah. that I was like, really? But um, so, yeah, no, I, I agree with uh, with you guys as well. And another thing that I really like about Tangle Tower, and then I promise you we will get into the mermaid's t uh, tongue before we finish the interview specifically. But one of the things that I, I really like about Tangle Tower is on the menu screen, before you go into the game itself, and depending how much you've played, you can go into either the soundtrack or the art gallery. And then in the mm. art gallery, it's not just the art, because a lot of times when I see art gallery or art books, I look at the art, I flick through it, and then I finish it. And it looks nice, but might mean a huge amount, you know, to, um, but you guys have gone to the extra effort of describing the art in the game and go, giving background to all the, you know, the items and the characters. And that has made me appreciate it 
a lot more. And, and I wish, I've always said that I wish that more games did this, you know, had extras, outtakes, or extras like this, even though it's more work. Uh, well, what can you tell us about how did this come, come about? And yeah, so how, why, why did you did did uh, guys find it helps as well? Well, the the large answer is that Apple made us. Um, <laughs> but, so it was Apple. <laughs> well, exactly. so Apple Apple forced us to consider what extra things we could add. So we launched Tangle Tower as an Apple Arcade launch game, and they really wanted us to release a yearly something. Update. But how do you add right an, an update to the game? How do you add content to a self-contained story hmm. game? Uh, you know, with other types of games, you might add a new level or a new weapon or a new or character, a new hat. Um, we we thought about just adding a hat to Grimoire, but we didn't think we could get away with it. So we thought, well, one thing we would like to do if we had the time, and well, here we have the time, um, is a, an art book, a, a digital art book. And um, as you said, sort of just art, context is uh, even if in the context of having played the game you only unlock art for places you've been characters you've met um clues you've collected so you've definitely encountered these things in the game before you see them in the art book but just on their own standalone it's it's hard to know what to think or what to feel um as an artist you might be particularly interested in looking at style and, and the evolution but having that written, uh, just a little description and a little, you know, musing on what's happening on the screen there, um, just just really helped bring it out and and yeah, make it more interesting. Uh, I'm I'm someone that also judges the quality of an of an art book or a making of book by how many anecdotes and background information you get. And if you get none, I'm bored. But if I want one on every page, I want to hear what went wrong. I want to see sketches that you didn't like. I want to hear what got you in trouble. I love that kind of stuff. Mm. But I, I, the best thing about the Tangle Tower art gallery is it gives a voice to the people that aren't me. It allows Catherine and Jonathan to do, you know, to write some of their own stuff and put it out into the, into the world, which is so nice. Um, and, and, and also it, it got localized into all the languages as well. Yeah, it got localized. so funny oh, wow. to me that someone, you know, we launched again on Apple Arcade. They wanted us to have sort of 15 different languages. Uh, from all around the world. And so those mm -hmm. notes got localized into all those different languages. So someone had to sit there. Yeah, it's, that's and, nice uh, though. Yeah, what lovely. it does what it does to the player is it reminds you after finishing the game, ideally, oh, this was made by a handful of human beings. How mm. nice. Which is honestly a really important thing to remember when you, when you play a thing like this. Yeah, it's not AI made, but you're human people. <laughs> yeah, and not very many either. <laughs> Just like four, <laughs> four or five people. <laughs> Yeah, no, fantastic. Well, certainly I, for anyone who is playing Tangle Tower, I'd certainly recommend that you check the art gallery because I'm really, really enjoying that as well. Um, so, so, And it's another extra thing that just kind of shows that it's well made. That's a huge amount of thought has been put into it. So, oh, yeah. um, so it's great to see. So now the mermaid's tongue. Uh, we spoke about the characters and the voice acting and the origins of the detective grimoire. Um, so the story, now the story in Tangled Tower, and this is at the very, very beginning, but what really intrigued me is that there is a possibility that a painting may have committed a murder. Right. Um, now, I don't know how it ends. I don't know if that's exactly what happened. Um, so 
Um, what what can you tell us about and that already intrigued me? Just this kind of like, okay, this is really outside the box. Um, but then in the mermaid's tongue, what can you tell us about the story of this particular game? Particular game. So does anybody want to any of you want to set it up uh, for people? Yeah. So the mermaid's tongue is set on a submarine called the Mortuga submarine, which is kind of a strange gothic eclectic strange uh you know submarine made of all kinds of different component parts and people it's take the nautilus from Twenty Thousand leagues and make it five times weirder than that and you have the mortuga submarine so that's our kind of setup um but yeah the equivalent to you mentioned the the painting in tangle tower we, we like to start with kind of an impossible question so in secret of the swamp it was oh the, the lead the lead suspect is a fictional creature or a mythological creature so it's like what do you do you that we can't arrest a creature that doesn't exist we're going to have to look deeper into this so we always try and start with something that makes you go huh i clearly don't have the whole picture here i better dig in and find out what's really going on and with the mermaid's tongue our crime scene is um it's this ancient stone cauldron that has been unlocked for the first time ever in history and supposedly whatever it was that killed the murder victim emerged from this cauldron. And there are scratch marks on the inside of the cauldron that suggest something was inside there. And it's that wonderful, like unknown. It's like, well, what was it? Why was it there? Why did it open? What really happened? It's really important to fill the player's mind with all kinds of questions in the first half hour or so and keep them intrigued. Yeah, no, definitely worked with me with Tangled Tower that this is a, supernatural or is it because right I'm, st I'm still not sure at least with tangled tower and this you have these um the, these clues as well uh judging from the trailer um and and what what kind of other characters can we expect to meet in the mermaid's tongue without giving anything away tom you want to get um, this one? oh yes yeah, so tom sure well so uh, it being a, a sort of self-enclosed setup like Tangle Tower, one of the uh, slight shames of, of Tangle Tower as a setup was that everyone was related to each other. So it was all family, two families that were sort of interwoven. And so we had a, a big variety of, of, the, of, of people, but not as much variety as you can get when it's just a bunch of people from all walks of life. So this time, um, there's definitely a, a bigger variety of, of suspects and it's, uh, it's, it's the inhabitants of the submarine. Uh, it's the captain, Captain Mortuga that has been murdered. Uh, the new captain is somewhere aboard, supposedly. Um, the other people who live and work, I suppose, on this submarine uh, are around to be met. Um, we haven't introduced any of them yet in the demo or in the trailer that's we're saving that for a, a reveal later on um but yeah it's it's expect uh some some very odd people yes i would say that the people that end up on the mortuga submarine it is usually because there's something strange about them all because they're misfits one of the things i tried to kind of keep in mind when designing the set of characters this might seem like a strange parallel but I thought about the X-Men and the X-Mansion, um, where it's like a haven for people that don't fit in, in the, in the normal world. So everybody that ends up on this submarine 
is there because they're not normal and they don't fit in at a normal society. So there's something odd about them. So that's kind of the vibe is it's kind of a, an eclectic band of misfits. Basically. And we haven't shown any of them yet. Or maybe we have. Ooh, Ooh well, by the time this episode comes out, we, we shall see. But um, I'm very intrigued again to find out more um, about the characters. Now, um, now, before we finish up the interview, I wanted to ask as well, there is uh, one gameplay um, part that I'm really enjoying Tangled Tower, and that is the, how do you call it, the deduction element. So mm. there's four things on the screen. And I, I was trying to figure it out. Now, it kind of was getting it, wrong the, the first time when i had the arrows that are pointing up or down which is correct uh first of all i like that feedback that you kind of know okay this is where i'm going wrong um mm -hmm. but i really liked how how that worked and I'm, from the trailer it seems like this is making a return so again what can you tell us for people listening who haven't seen it what uh what why do well how, how do you explain it what why did you introduce it how do you think it helps uh sure. people in the game so tom do you want to yeah that. so it's there for two reasons um and depending on how you're doing how you're playing how much attention you're paying it will it will serve one of two functions one is you're paying attention you you've got theories you've got ideas as to what's going on and you get to feel clever by letting the game know that you know what's going on so if you if you come into one of these and you can solve it immediately um None of them are, the first one is usually a little easier just because we're introducing the mechanic. But then later on, you know, they're, they're a little bit more, you have to stop and think for a second. I'm like, oh yeah, okay, I've, I've, I've noticed this. And, and so you're building this little sentence out of four parts, um, sort of there's eight objects or people or things that you can drag into two of the slots and then some joining statements that you select from on the other two. And so you're building up a little sentence about a conclusion that you've reached and you get to feel smart about that. And maybe you get it almost right. And then, like you said, you can, there's a hint system if you want, where it will just tell you flat out, oh, these parts are right, but this is wrong. It won't tell you what the right part is, but it will tell you, okay, like swap this one out. Or even if you try, if you get three of them right and one of them wrong, Grimoire will say, oh, that's almost right. If yeah, I maybe that's just telling one me. thing. <laughs> and so it's sort of just a gentle nudge to say, you, you, you're close, don't, don't wipe out the board just yet. Um, for other players who might not have been paying attention or maybe they haven't played for a while, as happens in our busy lives, you sort of coming back to it and you just jump back in and you haven't loaded up the whole story back into your head yet. Um, the the slow, the, the gentle hinting will make you think about the story in a way maybe you haven't done yet, but in a way that we want you to think about the story. So if you've already thought about it that way and you've reached that conclusion, great, you can solve the puzzle. But if you haven't, now we have a chance to make you think that way, uh, but feel like you came to your own conclusion. So uh, and there's a hint across the top of what, what's being asked. If you get it wrong once, it gives you a slightly more uh obvious more obvious clue and if you get it wrong again it'll give you an even more obvious clue we never flat out solve it for you but we sort of we don't want people lingering on these forever um, no. but we're, we're sort of shaping your thinking if you haven't already reached that conclusion. yeah the way i think about it is they they give you agency and they also funnel you towards yeah. the intended answer so right. those are the two 
things. So then you do. come out of it thinking a certain way and you're primed for the next thing that's happened in the story. Yeah, well, I really enjoyed that part and I'm hoping there will be a few more because as I said, it makes me oh, smile yeah. eventually. Uh, but now that I think I've got an idea of the mechanics, um, I'm looking forward to that. And then the other uh, gameplay element um, is uh, you mentioned that you're fans of Professor uh, Layton, and there are a few logic puzzles from what I could see in Tangled mm -hmm. Tower. I haven't actually done them yet. I said, no, I want to keep exploring <laughs> and then or get my mind set on the logic puzzles. Uh, what, what can you tell us about those? How did you come up with these puzzles and introduce them uh, into the game and try to make them fit in with the narrative and the game? So uh... This is actually quite funny because when we made The Secret of the Swamp, at, at first, we didn't have any because we, we were making an Ace Attorney-style game and we weren't making Professor Layton. Mm. And then our, our boss, basically, Lama Games, said, I really love Professor Layton, guys. Can you add Professor Layton-style puzzles to this, please? And we were like, oh, yeah, that's a good idea. We should do that. So Secret of the Swamp, we added as many as we could at the last minute, and it was a bit of a scrape. And some of them are a little bit desperate, but we tried. And we basically realized, oh, these are a really good way to break up the gameplay. Um, and they stayed in, and with Tangle Tower, we sort of set out to design them from the get-go. When we tangled tower, we were like, okay, if we're going to have logic puzzles, then we want to design them in a way that's organic to the story. So with what we did is we basically gave each suspect what we call a locked box puzzle, which is something that they're hiding, usually in their bedroom mm -hmm. or somewhere like that. And when you complete the puzzle, you unlock a clue that they were hiding. So there's relevant story context to it so it's not just a puzzle for the sake of it it's a puzzle because somebody had an object that they didn't want you to find and that's how we do it and even the puzzles themselves can tell you about the characters for instance one of the puzzles in tangle tower is in fifi's bedroom and it's all about magnifying lenses and the fact that fifi the character knows about magnifying lenses is actually relevant information so we try and give them meaning and context as much as we can to make sure they're worth every second that you spend on them Right, no one's randomly challenging you to a chess puzzle uh, nope. just because that's fun. Yeah, no, it's uh, what I look forward to trying to resolve them. I'm not usually good at logic puzzles, <laughs> but... Um, There's a hint I, system for those as well. Every time oh, you yeah. get it wrong, they give you more help, so... Oh, I'm, I imagine I'll be using the thank you for hint system uh, for, for thinking of people like me. <laughs> Um, okay. Now, the final thing I wanted to ask you guys, because I know it's getting late. Um, <laughs> excuse me. That we have to mention the art and the animations. I think uh, it would be doing this game a huge injustice if we didn't mention it. Um, so it is fantastic. It is beautiful. Both the backgrounds and the the anim. I think the animations really add to it because a lot of games, a lot of adventure games, they have character portraits, which I like. I think they work really well. But in this game, instead of the character portraits, you have animations. Um, you have the characters, you know, just moving around when we're talking and Detective Grimoire opening his notebook and actually writing it yeah. down. Again, how, how did this come about? I mean, I know you mentioned there's Katrin and Jonathan, I imagine, who did the animations. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. So, so how, it's how, a, did you, how did you manage to do these? Uh, both animations it's a holdover from our Flash days where Flash was a tool primarily for animation. That's what it started out as. And then they added in the ability to make games later on. But the animating tools are front and center the whole time. So 
when you're making a flash game you can just animate anything and everything and it being you know web vector graphics it could be tiny and it would download quickly and you wouldn't have to worry about that file size of sort of long big animations and when we came to make uh, Secret of the Swamp, it was technically made in Flash um, in a, a way of making, you know, mobile and, and desktop games out of a Flash game. And then we came to Tangle Tower and we said, well, we can't, we can't not have this, but we can't animate it. We, we can't take a Flash animation and just put it in Unity. That, that technology doesn't exist as is. So we had to go and build one. But we, we never wanted to lose it because even from the earliest days, like the, the ability to have the characters act uh, out the conversations in a way that it wasn't just, as you said, sort of maybe 10 predefined poses mm -hmm. was so key to the, to the characterization of the first game that we, we, could, we couldn't lose it. So we had to solve the problem and we, and we did. Um, and so... Yeah, Jonathan animates, um, uh, you know, a bunch of different animations of different poses and uh, animating into different poses. And then Adam and Jonathan and Catherine all designed together uh, different eyes, different eye positions, different mouth positions for those characters. And then Adam, at the very end of the process, can then uh, act out a conversation on a timeline with those components to make it to, to put them together in any combination he wants so you know if there are 11 different eye poses and 11 different mouth poses that is uh 121 different combinations just there just from those you know facial expressions rather than baking in 10 and and, and yeah and i we we take great care into making sure that the animations match exactly what's being said so for instance like tom said we have eye eye positions whether they're blinking looking down looking up squinting looking sarcastic with the dreamworks face and we also have two mouth flaps for every pose and there's a happy one and a sad one and it's really important that you change it depending on the what is being said so if if the character goes serious for a moment you swap to this the, the sad mouth flap and if they're making a joke, you swap to the happy mouth flap and it makes such a difference. And I, I think too many games just go for like sort of baked in stuff and try and make it apply to too many things. Whereas really the conversations need to be as compelling and convincing and entertaining as they possibly can, because this is a game where you talk to people the whole time and we're trying to respect people's mm. time. So we make them as fun <laughs> as possible. No, well, that, that's fantastic. And it's a ticket definitely to again, add to the game, you know, it's, it seems like a little thing, but it really, really, I think, adds, uh, it elevates, I think, the quality, shows the amount of care that it put in this game as well. Now, I know it is getting late, so uh, the release date on Steam is said 2024. Again, I need yeah. to ask this question. Uh, do you have any ideas or just 2024? Uh, 2024, it will be after Crow Country. Okay. That's, that's all we know for sure. Okay, uh, so Crow Country, so first of all, and then the Mermaid's Tongue. And then Mermaid's Tongue later yeah. down the line. Um, they're both very different kinds of games, it seems like. Did, was it difficult to change your uh, mindset? Or, or add uh, them for... I mean, right now I'm working on both, and it's a bit stressful. I'm looking forward to 
being done with one and working on the other. Um, but also having two projects at the same time is kind of good because if you get sick of one, you just hop to the Go other to the and other. it keeps you going. So there is a benefit to it, actually. No, oh, well, well, I hope you don't. Well, maybe the Mermaid's Tongue will become a horror game. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> well, it is it's kind of spooky, to be honest with you. Yeah, it seems darker than Tangle Tower. It is a little darker, yeah. But I also hope it's also funnier. I want it to be darker in places and funnier in other places, you know? So it's just kind of more vivid in general. That's my hope anyway. No, oh, well, well, we shall see because it will be released hopefully 2024 or whenever it's ready. Uh, <laughs> we shall see. Um, so um, is there anything else that you guys would like to mention? Or first of all, where can people find you guys? I should never for, I always forget to ask that. Sure. Um, so all of our games are linked from sfbgames.com. You can find them all there. Um, you can find Adam and me on West. Still hanging on to Twitter for now. Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, likewise. I'm, <laughs> I'm SFB Tom. Adam is SFB Dim, D I M. Um, and that's where we make most of our announcements uh, of late. Um, yeah. And you can find both those games and our other games on Steam. Uh, and yeah, both the Mermaid's other, Tongue and both the Mermaid's Tongue and Crow Country have you know, screenshots, trailer, and a playable demo right now on Steam. So if you're interested in either of them, it'd be really helpful for people to go check out those Steam pages, play the demo. Wishlisting really helps us. So mm -hmm. we would love for people to wishlist if they can. Thank you. Uh, well, I have wishlisted uh, both games because I genuinely looking forward to playing them. And I hope before the Mermaid Song, even though they are standalone, I, I'm going to do my best to finish the Tangled oh, sure. Tower, which I Thank think you. I should because I'm already an hour into it and enjoying it. And uh, Detective Amazing. Grim War, which looks really good as well. And um, yeah, I'm looking forward to both games. And now I'm even looking, you know, more looking forward to Crow Country after speaking to you guys. Um, so that'll definitely be on my... Uh, so thank you very much. Is there anything else that you guys would like to mention before we finish? Um, anything at all? Um, I don't know. Tom, is there anything? No, I, oh, I, I no, we've trying to rack my brain. I'm, I'm all out. <laughs> that we haven't missed. We covered it. Yeah, perfect. I think we've covered just about everything. Well, best, very best of luck to to you both um, for for well, this year and the future. And I look forward to to playing the games and seeing what else you guys uh, come up with. And uh, hopefully we'll be able to get, catch up either Adventure X or some other conference or something. Oh, sure. because I try to catch up with as many people as possible, but then Adventure X, it's so many people. Yeah. Um, but uh, but it would one. be hopefully uh, at some point. Yeah, because... I plan to go. So hopefully we can bump into each other there. Well, hopefully. Uh, I'll be wearing my Adventure Games podcast too. jumper and I'm sure I'll recognize you there as well. So it'd be great to catch up. Uh, well, thank you so much for giving your time. Uh, I know you guys are very busy and I will... Uh, I look forward to chatting with you again. And uh, thank you for having us. It's been great. Thanks yeah, for having us. Likewise. Thank you. Well, take care then, guys. The very, very best of luck. Thanks very right. much. Thanks. Thanks. So that was my interview with the developers at SFB Games. And a huge, huge thank you to Tom and Adam Vian uh for agreeing to come on to the podcast. And I am really looking forward uh to those two games, Mermaid's Tongue and Crow Country, and you can Wishlist those games on Steam. Uh, the links, at least to the official website, will be uh, in the show notes. So I hope you all enjoyed that interview. There will be plenty more to come this year. Uh, interviews with Tom Hardwich and uh, Cyrus Namati, uh, voice actor and 
developer of upcoming adventure game Vampire Therapist coming up in the next few weeks and months plus reviews of the latest adventure games that we have been playing as well so plenty more to come uh, in the near future so thank you again for listening thank you all for your support and uh, well with that until next time take care everybody goodbye If you like the Adventure Games podcast, then please subscribe, rate, and review. Wherever you listen to podcasts, please leave a review on iTunes if you can, as every review helps, and reviews will help get the word out, especially for adventure game developers who appear on the podcast. Now, you can also follow me on social media. You can follow me on Twitter at AdventGamePod. You can follow me on Facebook at Adventure Games Podcast. You can also follow me on Instagram at Adventure Games Podcast as well. And we're also on Discord at Adventure Games Podcast. So if you are a Adventure Game developer or a Adventure Game player, you can follow us there. So again, please feel free to retweet and share podcast episodes and the podcast to people who you believe may enjoy it and you can also find more information about the podcast on www.adventuregamespodcast.com so until next time thank you